NFL Draft is officially open. Just a couple more hours and that's what you're going to be hearing. It is one of our favorite days of the year. It's draft day. And this is the Sports Pan on ESPN-UP, online with our app, Tanner Hoops, with you. Thanks for hanging out with me in your Thursday, your draft day afternoon. One day closer to the weekend and a few hours closer to hearing that jingle and Roger Goodell open the draft. Jake Durant from Local 3 TV in studio with me. It's also one of his favorite days of the year. What's up, my man? Oh, man, I'm so excited for today. I've been waiting so many months for this. I've watched endless amounts of, of videos on these players, did all of my research, um, put together my own mock drafts. I mean, I'm pretty much an NFL fanatic. It's, it's, it's easily my favorite sport when you talk about all the major sports. Um, and, and this is just like, it's like Christmas. I woke up today, it's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, only a few things come to my mind, and, and today everything got overtaken. Woke up, I was like, it is finally draft day. Um, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it. I just want to see what's going to happen. I mean, throughout the process of the NFL draft, you know, once the college season wraps up, analysts are out here doing all these mock drafts, talking about who they think is going to be picked and things like that, but, um, it's 100% guaranteed that it's not going to go that way. Mm. We're going to see trades. You know, we're going to see picks come out of the blue. Um, you know, we're going to see surprises, and, it, and it's it's so good. It's like the best reality television you you uh, you can ask for. And and then obviously, when you're a fan of an NFL team, it's it's always fun to see new players be drafted onto your into your organization that you you root for and and kind of pick up pick apart how these new players are going to help. Um, your team in the in the upcoming season, and and hopefully that means a run to the Super Bowl for for certain teams. Um, I'm not going to mention who the Green Bay Packers. It's a big night for them. It is basically what you just said. You hit the nail on the head. Why draft day is so big for so many people. You know the Super Bowl is one thing. People love that because it's a celebration of football. We're going to get a champion crowned. It's a great way to conclude the season. But for the draft, you always get that sense of optimism. You know you have fans that. They haven't been looking forward to Sundays for a long time because they know their teams just are going to disappoint them. They're going to break their hearts. But when this time of the year rolls around, everyone gets a new burst of optimism. Like there's always that optimism. This is going to be the draft class that turns our franchise around. We're going to bring in the guy that knows how to run this franchise, knows how to run this team correctly. This is going to be the year. That's an optimism for every team. All 32 teams are going to get a join into it and think for a little bit maybe – this is going to be our year. Tonight is the night we change the course of this franchise. Right, and you know, it's it's a big night for many franchises. Obviously, um, one of the f- first franchises to come to my head, New York Giants, mm-hmm. a lot riding um, for the Giants tonight. Obviously, they need a, a quarterback. Eli's still there, but he's pretty much halfway out the, out the door. Um, so a lot of the teams, when you talk about Washington, maybe Cincinnati, um, Oakland, it's a big night for Oakland, obviously getting rid of, of – Khalil Mack and, and guys like Amari Cooper to, to get all of these draft picks. We're talking about they have a new GM, so a big night for these teams. But like you said, man, every every fan is optimistic that um, you know th- this is the year that they turn things around. And, and when you have a solid draft and you can bring guys in who who are going to help your team, it's it's exciting. It's exciting. And um, I always said my my dream job would to be. A, would to be working with an NFL franchise like as an executive or something. I like the behind the scenes um, more than maybe you can even say the games. You know, I'd be I would love to be in the draft rooms, um, preparing the draft boards. You know, talking. I would love to be a scout who goes out. Like that's probably a dream job. One of a dream job for me that I would love to do um, if I could. Obviously. Well, I tell you what, you mentioned that this was the first thing that came to mind this morning when you woke up, and there's a lot going on. It just shows how much. You love the Senefel draft. You're a junkie for it. But look what we have going on right now. We've got Avengers Endgame coming out tonight. It's on a lot of people's minds. Taylor Swift dropping something new tomorrow. It's World Penguin Day. It's Bring Your Kid to Work Day. Uh, Lou Williams helped the Clippers beat the Warriors last night and force a game six. And despite all that, it's the draft that's on everybody's minds today. And rightfully so. I mean, this is such a fun event. One of my favorites of all the sporting calendar you look at some of the teams that have the pressure on them tonight. For me, I don't think there are three teams under more pressure than Oakland, Arizona, and the New York Giants. For me, those are the three teams that really have the pressure put on them tonight. Oakland being for the fact that, like you mentioned, they got rid of Khalil Mack. They got rid of Amari Cooper. They accumulate all these draft picks, many of them in the first round. 
Well, draft picks can only do you so much. Players win you games. You've got to hit on these draft picks to make those trades worthwhile, to get rid of all pros like Cooper and Mack. So all the pressure is going to be on Gruden and Mayock. And really, it's those two calling the shots. There's no scouts. There's no one else in the front office that has any say in anything. No, they kicked him out. It's 75% Gruden and the rest is Mayock. And it's on those two to hit home runs tonight, especially in the first round. Yeah, and Mike Mayock was in the media just a few days ago saying it's it's really easy. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to hit on these draft picks and we're going to move forward as a franchise and, and become a good team, or I'm going to miss and I'm going to get fired. He blatantly said that, so he knows, um, you know, that all the pressure is on on the draft picks. He's he's come to grips with the fact that if, if he fails um, in this draft, that there's a good chance he can get fired. So I mean, he's ready to just kind of go 100. percent And um, John Gruden, another guy, he, he signed a 10-year deal. You know, the whole organization put uh, Gruden as obviously the guy to help lead them into a new era, and uh, a lot of pressure is on him to show that he still has it. I mean, he hasn't really done a lot in the NFL since, you know, winning that Super Bowl years back. Um, so, yeah, a lot of pressure on them. And, and like you said, you know, I, I know you root for the Giants and things like that. I mean, to, to keep a guy like Eli Manning and, and now you're drafting a quarterback, I just don't see why you wouldn't have got rid of Eli, kept Odell, kept landing Collins, paid them what they want, and then still go get a quarterback. I, I just don't, I don't know what their plan is. They're one of the more fascinating, confusing franchises right now. Like most, most times you can kind of see what a plan uh, an organization has in place. But for the Giants, they just seem like they're all over the place. I just, I don't know. I think they can still win with Eli. And I give them credit for the pick they had last year. I think that Barkley was the best player in the draft at that time. That, you know, they had to need it running back just as much as they did at quarterback, probably more so. And they end up getting the offensive rookie of the year. And then they got criticized for it. You would have thought Barkley was a complete bust by the way that front office was criticized. This year, I do think they're going to take a quarterback. But I don't think it's with the intention of him replacing Eli. I don't think they're really in love with anybody that's in this year's draft. I woke up today 51% sure that they were going to not draft Dwayne Haskins, whether that was because they pass on him or he wasn't available at number six overall. I was 49% sure this morning that they were going to, so I really wasn't sure about anything. Now I'm starting to lean that Haskins will not be a giant by the end of the night because he is either going to go before the sixth overall pick. Rumor says that the Raiders are interested in him at number four, or I think they're going to pass on him and go for Daniel Jones at number 17. Right, and you know they got that sixth pick, so they're going to, they're going to get an elite talent. I mean, if you know, will they move up? I don't. I don't think they are in that urgent of a need to find a quarterback. Obviously, to move up, a lot of people are saying that Jets number three pick is up for grabs. I mean, to try to move ahead of Oakland, mm-hmm. if you're a team that wants a quarterback, whether it be if you're the Dolphins or the Redskins, Giants, etc. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if he gets picked, and there's a really a defensive stud like a Josh Allen still sitting there at six, it's kind of hard to pass up. Um, and then, you know, obviously you got that mid-round pick as well. You could soup up a guy I've, we were talking about earlier. They're in love with Daniel Jones for some reason. I'm not really sure. Um, could he be the guy that you, you draft and, and sit behind Eli for a while? But for my my thought process is that I would have got rid of Eli. I would have kept, you know, my stars in place on both the defense and offensive side of the ball, drafted a quarterback high this year, and then just handed the ball off to Saquon and once in a while through for play action just to get him acclimated a little bit. Um so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see, but um, I, I do think if he's sitting, if Dwayne Haskins is sitting there at six, I don't, I don't know how they could just pass him up. Rumor says the Redskins are really high on him, and it sounds like Dan Snyder is calling all the shots right now. And you know, I'm sure Packers fans would love to be in that kind of situation where the owner gets to decide who gets drafted because the Packers would have a pretty big committee deciding out of their ownership who's going to be the next Green Bay Packer drafted tonight. Yeah, I mean, they could have just threw up a poll. Mm-hmm. Quick fans, whoever, part owners. Twitter poll decides who they Twitter take at number and 12 and 30 take. overall. Why not? It's social media age. Um, it's kind of That's an interesting little tidbit, though. Washington and, and obviously um, New York trying to get after the same guy, same division, division rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that could be huge if Washington sneak ahead and, and get a guy like Haskins. And he turns out to be what people think his potential is, which is a really good quarterback. Giants fans won't be happy. 
I tell you what, you mentioned divisional rivals going after the same position. Here's what I'm thinking tonight. It's about tight ends. TJ Hawkinson, the stud out of Iowa. The Lions may go after him at number eight overall. They certainly have a need at tight end. I would say the Packers do as well. And if the Lions skip on him, then Packers are probably going to snap up Hawkinson. Would you agree? I, I would have to agree. Um, I think Hawkinson's going to either end up on Detroit or Green Bay. I don't think he gets past Green Bay. Um, I know Lions fans are probably sitting there like, okay, we drafted Eric Ebron mm-hmm. before Odell Beckham, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it didn't work out. What made things worse, he went to Indianapolis and had an all-pro year. Then he figured um, out he has hands. It, right, and then, you know, he that. got confident again somehow, some way once he left Detroit. Um, obviously, Lions fans don't want to see that happen again to where, you know, they draft him and he just ends up being a bust. I do think TJ Hawkinson is is – a very, very good player. Um, I think what kind of makes him stand out from all the other tight end prospects is his blocking ability. And uh, when you talk about Green Bay, Matt LaFleur said he wants to really focus on the run game. That's going to be the bread and butter. You need, a, you need a tight end that can block. They have Mercedes Lewis there, who's a really good blocking tight end. I'm don't, not in love with Jimmy Graham. I know you know, a lot of people still want to think back to his years as a saint mm-hmm. and how dominant he was, but he's basically a shell of himself yeah. um, at this point. So, I mean, th- with Mercedes and Jimmy Graham together, it's an all right combo, but you still need you still need somebody. I mean, if you can get Hawkinson at number twelve, that just kind of rejuvenates the position a little bit. Obviously, Aaron loves going um, for his tight ends. I mean, he can do it all. He's a great blocker. Um, he can catch the ball. You know, he he's just an overall great tight end. Um, I honestly think he might go to Detroit, though. Mm-hmm. I honestly think Detroit might pick him up at number There's eight. a need for him. There is. If that were to happen, you mentioned to me before we hit the air that there's a certain receiver you thought would make a good fit for the Packers. Right now, projections are having him go late in the first round. But do you think that if he's available for the 12th overall pick, Green Bay would go after Marquise Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma? I think it would be a good fit. I know 12, it's it's kind of high. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, people were talking about, you know, experts were saying we might not even see, uh, w- we might only see one receiver being selected tonight in the first round. Um, and I just I just think uh, uh, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown would be such a perfect fit. He's, he's being compared to Deshaun Jackson. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you need, a, you need a deep threat. You know, he hasn't had a, a, a really good deep threat since, you know, Jordy Nelson was healthy catching those long bombs down the field. Um, and I, I know 12, it's kind of early for a receiver, especially one that you're not 100% sure. Um, but I definitely think Brown is the best receiver in the class. I think he would fit well with the, uh, the Packers system. You know, you can kind of see teams leaning with that you want a versatile player like that. Take it for the Chiefs. They have Tyreek Hill. You can mm-hmm. use Brown similar to Tyreek Hill. And it's not only him catching passes. He can be doing sweeps and things like that. You can do a lot with him. Um, and I think that's just a good it's, – it's catching the ball and what he does after he catches the ball. He can hit the home run. He's a home run hitter, and I think he would just be a perfect fit. If they took Brown at the 12th pick, I wouldn't – I would be happy, man. I would be happy. I think they need to get Aaron some weapons. I know they, they drafted a lot of receivers last season, and, and they took steps. I think um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling took some steps. He, he had his moments. Equinemius St. Brown had his moments. Um, but I still think there there's a need there. I still think you got to get get Aaron some weapons. And I think now that Randall Cobb's gone, you can get Brown. Like I said, it might be a little early, but I think he would fit in perfectly with the Packers. If Brown didn't have that foot injury, he might be a top 10 talent. You'd like to think that he can still put up the numbers he did at Oklahoma. I tell you what, though, circling back to the tight end position, there is a third NFC North team that is in the market for a tight end in this draft. That's the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm not sure how likely this is, but... I think there's a possibility that both Iowa tight ends, TJ Hawkinson and then Noah Fant, can go top 20 in tonight's draft, and they could both go to the NFC North. Minnesota is going to be in the market for a tight end. The only question is how early are they going to go after him? Now, they have Kyle Rudolph, who's on the decline in his career. You know, he's a good blocker, sometimes struggles staying healthy. He can still catch the ball well. He's got a massive contract that's eaten up a bunch of your cap space, and he's got one year left on his deal. His backup, David Morgan, has one year left on his deal. So Minnesota is in the market for a tight end. If without Rudolph, they would be able to free up cap space. They get somebody younger. If they decide to go after Fan at number 18 overall, get him on a rookie deal. He's a guy who could step on the field next year and make an impact immediately. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's that likely they're going to go for Fan at number 18, especially since earlier this afternoon they allow, uh, they announced that Steve Jordan, former tight end, is going to announce their 
a third round pick, which probably means they're taking a tight end then. I, I, here, I can guess for the Vikings. I'm guessing O-line first round at number 18, since that's the biggest need. Uh, Carl Eller is going to announce the second round pick, so defensive end, and then tight end third round. But, uh, you know, there's certainly a need there for Minnesota. and But there's a greater need at the offensive line. I just haven't seen tight ends like this who can step on the field and be an immediate impact as a rookie like these. And given the contract situation with Rudolph, it seems like one of the most appropriate times. But I think you got to bolster that offensive line first and foremost. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, to see Fant go there, I wouldn't be it won't, I wouldn't be shocked. I could see Fant possibly going to Green Bay at 12, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Detroit grabs Hawkinson... It's it's I guess it's just how bad do you think you need a tight end if you're the Packers? Um, but I think it's a hundred percent a lock that Minnesota will draft an offensive lineman. I mean, you know, you paid Kirk Cousins all of that money. It's it's questionable right now. If it was, I don't. Th- I said when they signed him, well, that was a bad deal. I was actually ecstatic that they did it mm-hmm. because I knew Kirk. Co- I I know who Kirk Cousins is. He's not going to get you to the promised land. I don't think he's going to win you a Super Bowl. I don't care who you put around him. Um, you know, when when it's about to hit the fan, I just have a, a strong feeling that Kirk Cousins won't deliver. But you need to give him the best opportunity. I think offensive line is definitely something they need to address. You need to keep Kirk Cousins standing up because when he gets pressured. He's bound to make some bad passes. He's not very accurate. He can turn the ball over as well. Um, so, And then I was reading an article. Um, I don't know if it was the GM or the owners. One of their wives said, if you draft a corner again, do not come home That was tonight. Mrs. Rick Spielman, Minnesota Vikings general manager. There you go. Spe- uh, Mrs. Spielman, keeping it real, 100. Um, obviously, Minnesota's hit and missed with the cornerbacks, but you need to keep Kirk Cousins standing up straight so he can have the best opportunity to do what he does. And when he's in the zone, he can be really good, but he has to be standing up straight, and there has to be minimal pressure on him. So definitely, I think Minnesota will be going offensive line with that first pick. We're over time. We owe you a timeout. But to piggyback off that, here's the stat before we go to break. Number of wins for these respective franchises in the last three seasons and the amount of money that they spent at the quarterback position annually. Two of the top three reside in the NFC North. Number one, do you have any idea who, according to Spot Track, spent the most money on a quarterback in the last three years? In the last three years? Last three seasons, spent the most money annually. Green Bay. Green Bay. $96 million. Wow. That's a good guess. They won 23 games in that time. The Redskins were second, uh, $94 million for 22 wins, and the Lions, $88 million for 24 wins. So those three teams spent the most money at the quarterback position in the last three years. Going down the list through the top ten, the Colts were at number four, the Saints fifth, Arizona sixth, Cleveland seventh, $75 million for eight wins. Uh, the Ravens, 72 for 27, they were eighth. Uh, the Falcons, $71 million, and the 49ers round out the list, $70 million, and they only got 12 wins out of it. Mm. So I tell you what, we owe you a timeout. Went a little over in the first segment. We come back. We haven't even touched on the biggest story of the draft, and that's who's going number one overall. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. It is draft day. We are inching closer inside four hours until the 2019 NFL draft is officially open. Still waiting to find out who the number one overall pick is. Arizona, somewhat on the clock, if not technically officially but we all know it and apparently they don't know who their number one pick is going to be apparently this morning they told Quinn and Williams he still has a shot at being the number one overall pick the question is are they going to pick Kyler Murray are they going to pick Nick Bosa or maybe Williams apparently is in the running now I don't really believe that I tell you what if I were them I don't see how you can pass Kyler Murray. I mean, this is a generational talent if he pans out. His upside is better to uh, to Josh Rosen, what you have now. I, I just I said uh, earlier in the first segment that the three teams with the most pressure on tonight are the Giants, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals being that they took a quarterback in the top ten of last year's draft at Josh Rosen. What are you going to get back for him if you decide that Kyler Murray is going to be your guy? You look at this front office, this coaching staff, and the pressure that's going to be on them individually. Cliff Kingsbury is such an unusual hire. A lot of people don't think he should have this job, that if he doesn't win right away, then he's probably out the door, especially if they get him some offensive pieces because that's his strong suit. You look at Steve Kine, their general manager, 
I mean, he's not drafted well. The Cardinals have not been good during his tenure outside of one season. He was arrested with that DUI last summer where his blood alcohol content was twice the legal limit. And they decided that they were still going to keep him around because of his relationship with the owners. I just don't know how many, you know, check marks against you you have to have. And, I mean, let's say they do pass on Kyler Murray and he goes on to be a superstar. You don't want to go down in history with the resume you have going into tonight. You don't want to be the guy that passed on what could have been, that passed on Kyler Murray. You know, yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. Um, I 100% believe that the Arizona Cardinals will take Kyler Murray with that number one pick. Um, Like you said, Kingsbury, a a new NFL head coach, um, coming in and, you know, if I'm going to be a coach, I want to go down. If I'm going to go down, I'm going down with the guys that I want to go down with. And obviously drafting Josh Rosen, who in my eyes is a really good quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. from what I saw, the, the issue with Josh Rosen is he didn't have an offensive line. He really didn't have a great team around him. But when uh, they played the Packers, and I, I was there to see it, and obviously the Packers' pass rush was terrible towards the end of the season. He had a lot of time to sit back there and throw the ball, and when he has some time, he can sling it and he can he can tear apart some defenses. Um, so I, I do think he can play in the NFL. I think he's a starter, um, you know, and and that's what's making it so tough, obviously. So I do believe Kingsbury really likes Kyler Murray. Murray, mm-hmm. obviously, I think you know it's he's a first year head coach. It's kind of like a new era when you talk about it, and, and like you said. You don't want to be the team that passes up on him. I just don't see how they can pass up. It's it's such a good fit. It's just such a good fit. It makes so much sense. I think the only possible thing that that could ever, you know, that could happen other than that would be if they want to just stick with Josh Rosen. And I think they could possibly Oakland could make a trade and try to move up to that number one spot. I think they have the the assets to do it, and um, that would be the only other thing I could see happening. I do agree with you that uh, you said in the first segment you think the Jets are going to trade away the number three pick. I do too. I'd actually be more surprised if they pick somebody at number three overall. I do think that if the Cardinals, for whatever reason, pass on Kyler Murray, the Jets will trade that number three overall pick to the Giants, and they will go get Kyler Murray. That's what I'm thinking uh, in that situation. But again, the Cardinals should not get rid of Kyler Murray because, you know what, say what you want about Josh Rosen. Some people think he's good. Some people think he's not. I'm not high on Josh Rosen. You know, I... It's not like I'm rooting against him. I just don't see that there's a lot of upside to him. One of the smartest things that college coaches have done uh, as they move on to the NFL, and then the NFL has done with coaches in the system right now, is they adopt college offenses. They adopt the offense these guys played with during their college years. And you get that perfect fit if you give Kingsbury Kyler Murray. You don't quite get that if you're Rosen. As talented as Rosen is or might be, he's not a guy that works in Kingsbury's system all that well. It's something you have to adjust to. College coaches, when they make the move to the NFL, they're finding success by implementing college offenses, and that's why you see one successful NFL coaches like John Fox fizzle out over the last couple of years because they don't adjust. They continue to do things old school, old style, when all these other NFL coaches are adopting the college offense, and they can plug these studs out of college in immediately. I think that's what Arizona would be able to have with Kyler Murray, and that's why they have to do this at number one overall. Yeah, I mean, when you have Josh Rosen, the the ceiling only goes so high. Um, With Kyler Murray, the potential he holds is something we might haven't seen since possibly Mike Vick, and that's because he's so fast and he can use his legs. Um, Don't get me wrong, he can pass the ball too. I mean, he's an overall really good uh, football player. But I, I, you know, I have to agree. You want to get the best guy that's going to fit your system. I think Josh Rosen could. I mean, the air raid system is what they call it. I think I think Josh Rosen could play in the system. He could because I mean he can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about Kyler Murray, now you're talking about having a guy that can, you know, roll out to either side and throw the ball and find somebody. Now you have the the quarterback read options and things like that. And and you know if all this fails. Um, he's going to make you look good as a coach because you know he, he's going to be able to to scramble out of the pocket if if the offensive line collapses and and make huge plays with his legs. Um, so if I'm the Cardinals, I have, I have to agree with you. I'm I'm drafting Kyler Murray, and then with my next pick, I'm I'm getting him a weapon possibly, or I'm just starting to draft my whole offensive line, and then we're going to go from there. Tell you what, Kyler Murray has the chance to become the first player ever to be drafted top 10 in both the NFL and MLB drafts. He was picked ninth overall by the A's a few years ago, but decided to go football. Here's a few other guys, NFL quarterbacks, that were drafted baseball, chose to go on to the NFL, and 
had some pretty good careers out of it. Of course, Tom Brady back in the 90s was drafted as a catcher in the 18th round by the Montreal Expos. I think he made the right choice playing football. Michael Vick, picked in the 30th round as an outfielder by the Colorado Rockies. It would be kind of fun to see Michael Vick, as well as he runs, the Army has, playing the outfield. A lot of people didn't know this one. I didn't know this one. Colin Kaepernick was actually drafted in the 43rd round as a pitcher by the Chicago Cubs. I didn't know that. I didn't know Kaepernick was a baseball guy, too. Uh, Russell Wilson, shortstop. He was drafted by Baltimore in the 41st round. Spent some time with the Yankees organization. Johnny Manziel, shortstop, drafted the 28th round by San Diego. Maybe he should have done that. I think he probably should have played baseball. Maybe he should have uh, He might have been the first one baseball. who said he should have probably played. And then, of course, Jameis Winston was an outfielder at Florida State. I think he pitched a little bit, too, drafted in the 15th round by Texas. And it's starting to look like maybe he should have done baseball. Maybe. I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. Jury's still out on that one. Maybe we don't have enough data on that yet. A few other quarterbacks I want to get your thoughts on. Someone brought this up to me yesterday. I'm going to get your thoughts on it as some guy who follows the Packers. What about Will Greer being drafted by Green Bay in the second, maybe third day? I, you know, I really like I like Will Greer. I, I thought he was probably fit for maybe the New England Patriots. He seems like that type of guy. Um, you know, he did it pretty well in the in the uh, pre-draft uh, things that you know the the draft combine and things like that. So. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he could definitely, he's a, he's a project. I don't think he's going to be able to step in, but if you're talking about sitting behind Aaron Rodgers and learning, um, I think, I think that would be a good fit for, for Green Bay. I'm not saying Green Bay really needs a quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's been hurt. Um, obviously he's, he's mid thirties and things like that. When, when Rodgers was drafted, Brett Favre was around the same age. Um, I, I like Rosen coming over for, to Green Bay. Okay, I, th- I think um, you know him and him and Aaron Rosen and Aaron both have a uh, a relationship. Uh, Rogers worked with Josh Rosen uh, before he got drafted. You know, gave him some advice. I think ESPN or the NFL did a segment on it, so they have a relationship. Um, so I think if you, you somehow could get Rosen for a, you know a third round pick, why not bring him in and have him sit? They already have a relationship built. I don't think Aaron's gonna turn on him and and say you know i'm not i'm not mentoring you or anything like that now you know because of that relationship i think um they both have similar personalities why not have rosen you know he he got a little taste of it why not bring him in learn a little bit be able to sit behind rogers a little bit and and learn and, and get comfortable and then obviously when the time comes then you know you move on with rosen or if aaron goes down knock on wood you have a guy like rosen who has potential to be a starter um behind and it can take over and, and lead the team as best as he can. I think that makes more sense, but I would be happy with Will Greer. I think he's a solid quarterback. Do I think he's a starter? Who knows? I mean, obviously the project, the projection for these guys could change depending on which you know system you go to, which organization. If Will Greer got thrown in to a starting position, he might lose his confidence, get beat up, and, and not do anything. But if he goes and sits behind a veteran, a you know, probably arguably the best quarterback in the league. I think that would be good for any quarterback. I think Drew Locke said something. He would yeah. rather go 32 to a good team than number one overall to a bad team. I saw a mock Denver. Yeah. You could pick him and up. If, and if I was a quarterback, I would be much more comfortable going to a system, going to an organization where I can sit back. I would be 100% okay to sit back, learn the system, get comfortable, and wait for my time and be – 100% prepared for my moment rather than just getting thrown into the fire. And um, you see it a lot. Quarterbacks lose their confidence, and, and they're out of the league within a few years. Here are my mid-round sleepers I want to get your thoughts on before we go to break. I don't know how good of a career Tyree Jackson is going to have in the NFL, so I hesitate to call him a sleeper. But he's six foot seven and he's agile, and he's got a cannon of an arm. His accuracy is his biggest downfall. But, I mean, you can't teach six foot seven. You can't tell me that there's somebody that – isn't going to want to try this kid out, even at a wide receiver position or some other position if he doesn't pan out as a quarterback, just for his size and his ability to move with that size. I don't know what kind of future he has in the NFL, but I'm kind of excited to see how they somebody uses him in the NFL. I could see him going third round maybe tomorrow night. And then my biggest sleeper out of this year's quarterback class, call me crazy, but Brett Ripien out of Boise State. I think there's a lot to like about that kid. I don't think he's going to be a franchise changer right away. Uh, he may not ever in his career, but can he step up and, you know, overperform, overexceed expectations and give you some quality minutes? I think he could. Yeah. Um, going to Jackson, obviously you can't teach 6'7". 
um, accuracy. That's you know you need to be accurate in the NFL. You need to be able to to kind of pinpoint that ball. So that kind of scares me. But there's got to be some coaches out there that think, hey, if I can get my hands on this guy and, and show him and and polish him up a little bit, you know, maybe we can make him into something. Like you said, you can't teach six seven athletic. The the arm strength is there. So yeah, I do think. Um, you know, he could definitely be a, an experimental player, um, a, you know, a project player that can come in and he would be a good fit for a team that already has an established quarterback that can, you know, kind of work with him. I don't know a lot about the guy out of Boise, um, so I don't really have a lot to say on him, but he sounds like he, he you know, if you can get a guy in that, those rounds that can give you minutes, you know, you, you got to be happy with that. I like him. He's got the family name working for him. His uncle Mark, obviously a legend with Washington. I think that his game is fundamentally sound. You know, he's not going to be a franchise changer or some guy who's going to contend for rookie of the year, but he could be a quality quarterback for a team that's looking for a little bit of consistency and steadiness. Tell you what, before we go to the break, uh, this was the Sports Illustrated cover eight years ago. It called... The choice between these three quarterbacks in the 2011 NFL Draft, the toughest call in football. Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, and Cam Newton. In 2011, that was the toughest choice in football eight years ago today, according to Sports Illustrated. Yep. Um, Carolina lucked out in that uh, <laughs> regard. Um, it's crazy to look back at things like that you know, in hindsight mm-hmm. and just think about that. That's what you. That's what teams are trying to avoid tonight. They don't want to be, draft the next Jake Locker, the next Blaine Gabbert. They want to get a Cam Newton, um, and by Cam Newton, I mean just a guy that it can have a productive career. So, man, I mean a lot of it's luck, man. A lot of it's luck, um, and that's what makes the NFL draft so special. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant, with you. We owe you a timeout. When we come back, we got more to touch on in the draft, but we'll turn to the NBA and the NHL next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Here is your Sports Center update. The NHL has announced their three finalists for the Ted Lindsay Award given to the most outstanding player during the regular season. The finalists are Chicago's Patrick Kane, Tampa's Nikita Kucherov, and Edmonton's Connor McDavid. And those are the three finalists for this year's Ted Lindsay Award, Kane, Kucherov, and McDavid. Jack Hughes netted a hat trick and Spencer Knight recorded a 21-save shutout as Team USA blanked Finland 6-0 this morning in the quarterfinal round of the U18 World Hockey Championships. And finally, a Michigan woman, we didn't even have to leave the state for our and finally today, a Michigan woman won $78,000 in a lottery jackpot last week after incorrectly remembering how old one of her children was. The woman, who is from Inkster in downstate Michigan, about seven hours away, actually it's closer to Canada than it is Ann Arbor, guessed, uh, her system is when she plays Fantasy Five, she picks her five numbers based on her children's ages and then works them into some kind of combination. That's her system. She incorrectly remembered one of her children's age and thus put down the numbers 1-9 instead of 2-0, forgetting one of her kids just turned 20. And that mistake turned out to work for her because it won her the lottery. Wow. <laughs> That's talk, talk about luck. I, I, it was either that one or this man from Maryland who just won his third lottery jackpot in two years. How does that I need, happen? I need some of that luck. Please. Oh, my gosh. It, this jackpot was just over $10,000. That was his lowest of the three. Wow. Man, three he's times waiting, in two he's, years. He's waiting for that big one. I mean, 10000 I'll take it. Oh, man. But he's just waiting for that big one. Like, what are the odds? Like, that's his ridiculous. smallest jackpot. Right. Man. I uh, tell you what, Tanner Hoop, Jake Durant with you here on ESPN-UP. Glad that you're with us. Last night, the presumable favorites in the Western Conference each had a chance to close out their conference quarterfinal series on their home floor. One of them did, thanks to Lou Williams, decides to go off and force a game six. Houston takes care of Utah, who picked it up in the final three games of the series, but they still go down in five. Then you've got... The L.A. Clippers, who just refused to go away. And what if they hung on to win on Sunday? How much fun would this series be? Tell you what, I'm starting to doubt the Warriors more and more every day. I'm a little bit. I'm starting to doubt them a little bit too. I do think they're going to move on and play Houston. But I mean, you're seeing a little chink in the armor. I think you can really tell after the game when you're talking about the post game. I mean, um, all the Warriors playing, to, Warriors players talking about 
oh, we, we have to just flip the switch, flip the switch. And, I mean, I know when you, you've made it to the playoffs and made deep runs for the past how many seasons, mindsets like that. But, I mean, sometimes when you try to flip that switch, it's not going to turn on. And, obviously, we're seeing that. Um, Lou Williams is playing amazing. You just got a lot of guys who have kind of a chip on their shoulder, playing free, no pressure when you talk about the Clippers, and and really just trying to, to see what they can do. I know the Warriors do not want a, a Game 7 because anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I believe that's going to I think the Warriors are going to actually blow out the Clippers in Game 6, but it's just been interesting, man. We talked about it before the playoffs started. If, if the Warriors keep getting brought to 6, 7 games, who knows what can happen by the time they get to the NBA Championship, mm-hmm. the Western Conference Finals, etc. But, I mean, that's this is a really good series. Obviously, the pressure's on the Warriors. I do think their experience will, will pay off. I want to say Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz has been so disappointing. Oh, man, what an awful I mean, series. just an awful series. Obviously, he was one of the the younger stars coming up in the NBA. But, I mean, even even in this, this closeout game, I think, you know, he... he didn't hit a three-pointer. I think I don't even know how many points he had, but I mean, just a just a bad game. You don't want that type of game when you're you're quote unquote a, the star of the team. If he could have played half as good as yeah. he did last year, obviously the Jazz would have would have had a better shot. But I think you know he's been the most disappointing. Lou Williams for the Clippers has been the most surprising. Yeah, Lou Williams playing like Donovan Mitchell played last year. So I think I think for me Donovan Mitchell was. Very disappointing in the playoffs. I wonder how many distractions are going on in the Warriors locker. Did you know Kevin Durant already has his house in California up for sale? Like, he's already put it on the market. Like, this is public knowledge. It's not hidden from anybody. Like, Kevin Durant has one foot out the door, and I don't know how much that's weighing on the, the minds of the players in the locker room. Uh, he's he's selling it for $13 million if you're interested. Kevin Durant's California house. Oh. Bought it for $12 million, so he's making a profit off it. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> I'll look into that. I'm not really not really looking for a place, but hey, that's, that's go my, in, share my price range. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy that he's doing all of this. And I know these are like normal life events, but I mean, you're in the playoffs. Obviously, there's already questions about you leaving and things like that. And now you're just doing these little things to kind of stir the pot. And then you're going and talking about the media and bashing the media saying, oh, I'm the, I'm always your story. Without me, you'd have nothing. Why do you guys attack me, blah, blah, blah. But he's the one creating most of the, the storm that's coming along with it. Um, I just think it's not great timing. Like, did you have to do that during the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Don't think so. Obviously, he's not hiding that. He's leaving. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense. Why would you try to put extra things into the extra energy, negative energy into the environment when you're, like, in the middle of a series? And and obviously, this is, is not going as smoothly as they wanted so far. So, um I don't know, man. I, I've I've learned to not like Kevin Durant as years go on. We share the same last name. When he got drafted, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Um, no relation, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, the more and more, you know, I just hear this guy talk and and the way he acts, I I just don't like him. Uh, the Nuggets with a chance to close out the Spurs tonight in San Antonio. Denver leading the series three games to two. Do they do it, or does San Antonio force Game Seven in Denver? It's really hard. I mean, it's hard to go against Pop and the, the San Antonio Spurs. I know it's a new era. They don't have the big three, um, but it's hard to go against really good coaching. Denver's still a young team, and they're very inconsistent. I think that one might go seven. I think yep. I, I think the Spurs are, are going to win it. It'll be a pretty close game, but I think just just the culture the Spurs have, it's hard to just pick against them. I think they'll go to a game seven back in Denver. I think Denver will will win it in seven games at home. What happened a couple of nights ago, everyone's still talking about the shot Damian Lillard put up. How much do you think Paul George would like to have a do-over from this offseason? Or even going back a few years, do you think if he had his choice, he would stay in Oklahoma City? Or do you think he would have rather gone to L.A. and played alongside LeBron? Or if you want to go back a little farther, would he like to stay in Indiana and been a part of what they're building right now? I, w- I mean, personally, I would have liked, liked to see him stay in Indiana. I would have, too. I, you know, I'm a huge Paul George fan. I think he's definitely one of my favorite players in the league, if not my favorite player right now. So love the way he plays. Um, I, I still think it's too early for him to kind of regret the decision. Obviously, they, they got knocked out, and it was a disappointing season. But I don't think they're that far away from being a contender. I think they just need to add, like, some shooting I mean, they got they got stars. They got a nice big man. They just need guys that can consistent consistently knock down shots. Um, you know, he loves playing in Oklahoma City. He loves playing with Russell Westbrook. 
I, I don't think he regrets it. You know, maybe he'll he would like to sit down and think about it over. Obviously, if we could do that, a, a lot of things would be different for everybody. But uh, I still think it's too early for him to regret it because I still think Oklahoma City still has a shot to be a really good team. But I, th- I mean, I, th- I would like to see him in Indiana. I, I think, think I think I mean, if they don't don't win in the next couple of years, obviously you can look back and be like, oh, I made the wrong decision. But I mean, he's getting paid out of out of this world so i don't think that it's going to be because of him the reason they i don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs next year they're consistently be good you know for a small market like that like oklahoma city it's like three times the size of des moines i mean it's a small market and they have consistently good pro basketball there but i don't see them getting out of the first round anytime soon and a few years ago oklahoma city was lauding russell westbrook that he decided to say I'm starting to think he's becoming an anchor in a way. He's dragging them down in a sense because of the way, you know, sometimes he's too intense for his own good. He had a personal vendetta against Damian Lillard in this last series. He's not shooting well from the outside. This might be extreme, but at what point does Russell Westbrook need to start learning from James Harden how to play basketball? Like, go to the free throw line 30 times a game and make your points that way. I will agree. I do think the mind game that Lillard played on Westbrook was a big factor in the way he was playing. You know, he's he's a good player. Obviously, he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. You know, he averages a triple-double, you know, so he's passing and things like that. But I do agree with you. I think sometimes like, he's, he has his foot on the gas, you know, to the floor way too much. I think he needs to slow down and, and pick and choose his shots. He's not a great shooter. I think he, once he realizes that... Maybe he would stop shooting as much. You know, obviously, like you said, get to he can get to the line at will, draw the foul, and and shoot free throws. I think he might have maybe woken up. I think obviously this was a humbling series for uh, Westbrook, especially you know Damian Damian Lillard got the best of him. You know, got the last <laughs> the game winner, waved goodbye. You know, got the best of him. I think this is definitely a series where he's going to look back, and and I think this series might might change him a little bit. I, you don't want him to lose that aggression, that mindset, but. I think maybe he'll start maybe seeing the game a little differently, and obviously I don't think he'll he'll get too involved with these personal, you know, competitions or personal you know vendettas against players. Um, it's all up to really all up to Westbrook. He needs to change the way he plays, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, he could get to the line at will. I just don't see why he doesn't just drive and draw fouls every single time. Dan Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, we'll look to the ice, recap of the Stanley Cup playoffs, round one complete, and we'll go full circle on the NFL draft. Get our final thoughts on that next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If what happened in the NBA playoffs happened in the NHL playoffs, I don't know how many hockey fans would be tuned in the rest of the way. But if it were the other way around and the NBA experienced what the NHL did in this first round, everybody would lose their ever-loving minds. Top four seeds are out. No divisional winners are moving on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which dropped the puck tonight. It was one of the most ridiculous, unpredictable first rounds I have ever seen. I don't think necessarily hockey fans, I don't think it takes a hockey fan to appreciate and enjoy what happened and the craziness that happened there because you have arguably the most dominant regular season team in NHL history out in four games. The defending champions are out. There's no Patrick Kane. There's no Sidney Crosby. I mean, there's no divisional winners in this. This is the first time in North American pro sports history that all divisional winners were eliminated in their first playoff game or series that goes for all four sports of the four majors here in north america hockey basketball baseball and football all divisional winners were eliminated in their first game or series in the postseason this isn't a series and uh we haven't seen in anything ever i mean this is unprecedented and i love it oh i absolutely love it as well um as a casual hockey fan uh just watching and 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 just you know, I don't watch every single game, um, but there's been already been so many moments, like you said, with the lightning going down in four games. You know, been some pretty amazing performances. Game seven last night, even with the Hurricanes and Capitals, that game was was crazy and and you know went into overtime. 
Um, but if you're the NHL, you're loving it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, your top seeds are going down, but you know the parity in hockey right now is just unbelievable. The Columbus Blue Jackets are, you know, just storyline after storyline. Mm-hmm. And as a casual hockey fan, I'm tuned in. You know, I'd probably watch more hockey than I have basketball, which has never happened. Um, and for some reason, the NBA playoffs right now just don't have that spark. No. But I think the hockey playoffs do. I mean, it's it's crazy to think, but just the the unpredictable. Um, games and and you know all these things that are happening it's just it's it's intriguing to watch and you know there's teams in there that you want to see you know win who, who are going to be you know in the stanley cup finals for the first time so um anytime you can have a new new champion um you learn to root for the teams my sharks are still alive yes. baby you know what i call that a game the other night yeah you know i was kind of worried a little bit but um so yeah i mean I, right now I, I think the nhl playoffs are are overshot or outshining the nba playoffs and it's it's amazing i think if you're the nhl you're just loving every moment of it um and and you know you just never know what you're going to get and it's and it's great eight teams left in the stanley cup playoffs four of them are wild card teams none of them won their division it's just insane round two drops the puck tonight boston hosts columbus and dallas takes on st louis the first two games of round number two this evening carolina hurricanes cap game uh, round one with a game seven win last night in double overtime three game sevens two of them go to double ot in that first round and the canes win their first series since 2009 they take down the defending Cup champions. So this is so much fun. I love this. I would have loved it more if Pittsburgh was still in it. I know a lot of fans here would love it if Detroit was in it. So, you know, we'll we'll figure things out. Pittsburgh will be back. Detroit's got Iserman coming back, so they'll be back here soon enough. Yeah, this is a good time for hockey. So uh we've got play to keep us excited and entertained throughout the next few weeks between hockey, basketball, and then the NFL draft tonight. And I, I tell you what, I just can't wait for it to finally be eight o'clock. I don't know what I'm going to do here in these next few hours. To I'm going to check Twitter. Yeah, because I keep expecting to look down and see some breaking news. You know, someone's finally been brought behind the scenes with the Cardinals, or someone traded for Josh Rosen. I'm thinking it could happen. The Cardinals trade Rosen if they do go with Murray that the Rosen trade could happen before the Jets pick at number three because then you're going to get all these teams that are going to be scrambling, adjusting to whatever the Cardinals do, and that Jets pick at number three is going to be a really popular trade destination. Exactly. Um, I mean, if you're the Cardinals and that's who you're going to go with, yeah, you could probably get the most right now for Josh Rosen when you talk about teams now kind of feeling that pressure, getting a little desperate, wanting to you know, get, get their quarterback – if you can pull off a trade for Josh Rosen, that, that pressure of, of trying to draft a good quarterback that's not a bust will kind of go away, and then you can focus on bigger pressing needs. Um, that's going to be huge. I, can you imagine if Arizona just drafts Nick Bosa yeah. and then just the, the chaos that's going to pursue? Like It would be, it'd be absolutely insane. Um, but, I, man, it's just, it's, there's just so much to look forward to when you talk about what, what's going to happen with Rosen, what are the Cardinals going to do, um, all the stories with with the teams and and things like that and um, and then you know you're just talking about a draft that's so deep. I don't know if I've ever seen so much depth in a draft. You can get quality players in the third to fourth round range, and most most of the time that's when my brain kind of turns off. And I'm like, you know, if a team drafts Tom Brady, that's good for them, but I'm not going to pay attention to no. it. You know what I mean? So, um, but I mean, I mean, you can find game game changers third round, second round, fourth round. Maybe in the fifth round, you can grab an, an Antonio Brown or something like that in the sixth round. So yeah, it's exciting, man. There's just a lot of stuff happening, and I just want to see what's. You know, there's going to be a couple big surprises. You know, maybe a player yeah. going in the top ten that you had no idea was going to go in the top ten. Those are what I'm looking forward to. Just the, the shock of it. Ed Oliver would be a guy that he's a polarizing figure. You know, he had the suspension. Uh, some mock draft earlier today had him going at number four. I think that'd be pretty high. There's not a lot of other drafts that have him going there. And, you know, the Raiders are picking at number four, and that's not who I would expect to take him. Uh, he would be one of those guys that could sneak into the top ten that a lot of people aren't projecting. Uh, there are certain teams that would take Drew Locke. Otherwise, he's probably a late first-round guy. But, man, like you said, if Bosa does go number one overall, it doesn't matter if he's going to be a pro bowler next season because it'll be the same thing as what happened to the Giants last year. Why didn't you draft a quarterback? That's what everybody's going to say. It yeah. doesn't matter if the guy that you turned out is an all-pro. Exactly. And going back to Ed Oliver, I think if the Jets stand pat, I could see you know either 
the Jets or the Raiders kind of interchanging either Ed Oliver or Quinnen Williams. I think he, he might go three or four if he's going to go that high. He could also go to a team like the Giants or something like that. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I'm just I'm just excited. There's just so much possibility, so many possibilities. We could see just a team that we never thought would even draft, move up, move into the top ten, and get somebody that maybe they're really high on, who they think is the final piece to their puzzle. Maybe we'll see the Patriots move up and and do something crazy because they always do. It's so crazy when you talk about the Patriots. Every time they draft somebody. Right, right, exactly. Right after they pick, you're like, oh, they just stole a guy. Why didn't we see that? You know, you just always think they they just nailed it. Um, I think they're the only franchise that actually does it. But anytime they pick somebody, I'm just like, why didn't I see that? Obviously, he's good. You know, they're going to get some quarterback that wasn't supposed to be good, and they're going to turn him into somebody special. I mean, Will Greer would make sense. I thought a few weeks ago Daniel Jones might be the guy they go after late in the first round, but looks like he's going to go much higher than that. I still think the Giants will pass on him at number six. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I don't know who they are going to take. I gotta. That's going to be a last-minute decision for me. I think he's going to go to Cincinnati. I think Haskins will go to Cincinnati, and that's who's going to snap him, unless the Redskins trade up for him. I was going to say, I think he might go to the Redskins or the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to bet money, I think the Giants, they pick two defenders in the first round. Really? Stack the defense, roll with Eli one more year. And then see what happens. Um, that's just my my guess. That's I mean, what I would do. What about the Giants and Ed Oliver? Because you look at some of the teams when they were winning Super Bowls, they had a stout defensive line. They had Michael Strahan, Oisiuman Yora, and those guys. They don't really have that uh, game changer of the defensive line right now, especially on the outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the, when the Giants were winning Super Bowls, the defensive line was was the anchor of those teams. Eli did what he had to do as a game manager. Um, you know, made plays when he had to. He he was clutch at in moments, obviously, but that defense was was the main thing that kept kept things going. And when you establish a culture, you know teams like to try to mirror that. So, you know the Giants are out there like we need to get back to our roots, which is get a dominant defensive line and let everything else work off of that. So, like I said, if they double down on defense, obviously they're going to address the the defensive line, get an edge rusher. Um, Ed Oliver would be a, a guy that could definitely uh, be in play there. Uh, a guy like Montez Sweat is another guy. Um, and then who knows with that that mid round pick you could get a a linebacker Devin Bush from Michigan, um, you know if Devin White falls to the Giants at number six the LSU linebacker I think they'd be ecstatic to grab him. I think and both it, those Devins will be studs that translate to the next level. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, that I mean that could happen. A, a really intriguing prospect is Simmons from Mississippi State oh, who blew out okay. his knee, but is a a top ten talent. If you're a team like maybe like a Green Bay or somebody mm-hmm. who has multiple first round picks. Get him, rehab him, and and you know that's a top ten pick you could get in the the middle to late first round. That's that's definitely could be a steal, similar to what the the Cowboys did when they took a uh, Smith. Um, you know, Jalen Smith, yeah. Smith blew out his knee and he came back stronger than ever and is a, an All Pro player. And speaking of Notre Dame guys, those are the Packers bringing in Jerry Tillery for a visit. He might be some guy they pick with that thirtieth pick overall. I could see it. He's he, a good. He'd he be a good like, one. It seems like a, he it would be a Packers pick to do. I that. endorse him. Uh, I tell you what, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. If you're not able to get to your TV set this evening, ESPN-UP is going to carry the radio broadcast of the draft. We're going to have the first three rounds of the draft tonight and stretching into tomorrow right here on ESPN-UP. Coverage begins at 7 Eastern with the draft opening at 8. So you can hear it here if you're not able to watch. That is it for us, man. Three hours until we get this thing going. Appreciate you as always. And I know we're going to be talking a lot quicker than, uh, or I should say sooner than next Thursday when you're on again about how everything went down. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll probably shoot you a couple texts tonight after some of the bigger picks. And um, definitely look forward to breaking it down next week. That's it for us in the Sports Pen. Enjoy the draft this evening. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.